Hello again and welcome to another episode of Back in the Net and Beyond and today I'm going to be speaking to Rachel Boardman who is a former swimmer. How are you doing Rachel? You okay? Yeah I'm great thanks. It's nice and warm here today so that's always a bonus. Yeah same here just uh, trying to make the most of the sun isn't it? <laughs> yeah definitely definitely <laughs> especially when you can't go out too far and all that. So. Exactly yeah exactly. Um, I mean thanks for joining me today. Uh, obviously really appreciate it. Um, if you want to just talk to us about kind of uh, just give us a, an insight, brief insight in terms of kind of who you are and what you, what you do at the moment. Yeah, so um, I am, like you said, I'm a former swimmer. Um, I have um, a PhD, but that's in preclinical oncology, and I'm sure we'll get to how that happened. Um, yeah. But um, I don't really do anything to do with that um, anymore. I, am, I run, I have my own podcast. It's called Beyond the Finish Line, um, nice. and speaks a little bit in along your kind of messages it's about the transition period out as people leave sport and and um how um get how they like the challenges they face and and along those lines and um looking at the entrepreneurship side of the athletes leaving sport um, and i also do um a little bit of coaching helping the those former athletes yeah. build their businesses um and um whether that's coaching or through uh, building out like sales funnels and that kind of thing because i'm a bit of a, a digital marketing geek to be honest right oh good i mean that sounds like you're doing a lot of stuff and obviously a lot of good work there um and obviously i want you to elaborate on that a bit further down the line uh but if we kind of start at the beginning kind of you as a youngster growing up kind of were you always involved in swimming from as far back as you can remember or was it something that you just kind of stumbled upon yeah so i think with with um with the thing with swimming is um obviously it's a it's a life skill and it's something that most people learn when they're young i know not everyone does but a lot of people do whether that's through school or through the parents and yeah. basically my parents they wanted me um so when they went on holiday they didn't want to have to worry about me drowning in the pool okay. they wanted to be able to relax because they're on holiday yeah. so they put <laughs> so they put both me and my brother i've got a younger brother um, and okay. they put us through swimming lessons what right. they didn't bank on was the fact that I would absolutely love swimming and that's the sport that I fell in love with like don't get me wrong I tried a bunch of different sports like mm. I did gymnastics I did like uh, football or soccer which whichever way you want to put it um, yeah. I did tag rugby at school netball and um, I did like a bunch of different sports mm. um, but swimming was always always the one for me mm. um, and I remember I got to like the end of like the the swimming lessons like and the teacher kind of said to my mum, you're like, well, that's it now. We can't take her any further. Um, that that that's it. So and I just turned around to my mum and went, but I I I want to swim. Like, yeah. <laughs> so luckily they were friends with um, a lady called Joyce Turner, who um, ended up becoming my uh, first coach, and she did swimming lessons and coached all my what turned out what ended up being my local swimming club um, right. and so she got me in there sorted out some of my technique and whatever and kind of and then I ended up just went into the club and moved up through the stages and going from swimming you know what half an hour for once a week during lessons to swimming you know 20 hours in the pool a week plus five six hours in the gym type thing at the end um, yeah I mean I've come across growing up I've come across obviously various different sports people 
and um, I know how intense football training can be, um, but in, in comparison to a lot of other sports, especially kind of swimming, athletics, uh, boxing, it, it's nothing. Um, I mean, swimming, from what I can remember, there was a girl in one of my schools that I went to, and she used to go swimming before school yeah. and then after school as well. So was that kind of similar to yourself? Yeah, yeah. Up from about the age of 12, I started doing mornings. Like it only was only one morning a week to begin with, but I think I did, it was like two or three in the end where I'd be in the pool at quarter past five, um, you know, with everybody else. Yeah. Um, and then you'd go to school and then after school you'd have more training. Like literally, I have no idea how I fit in like schoolwork and homework and like, yeah somehow i you know i did all this trade i just i don't i didn't know any difference i guess so i just it just yeah. kind of did it, was it. it was yeah yeah i know my, my mom always had this this thing where if i didn't do my homework or i wasn't keeping up at school then i couldn't go training but right. like that wasn't a thing for me i was like i want to swim like so i'm gonna get this yeah. done. jesus that's a crazy amount of hours that you must have put in there i don't know i mean as a teenager or kids in general, it's normally quite hard to get them out of bed. For me, sometimes it's quite hard to get out of bed and obviously get to school on time. So imagine having to wake up knowing that you're going to be training and it's going to be physical training as well. And then have to go yeah. to school and concentrate. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong, like the winter months were the hardest where you got up and then like, like so well when I was younger I let my mum or dad whoever's taking me scrape the, the ice off the car but like once I yeah. learned to drive like literally they they paid for my driving lessons so that I could take myself to morning training Fine. Yeah. No, no word of a lie <laughs> <laughs> That's <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. So then I'd have to scrape the, the ice off the car in the winter. But like, yeah. it was always a case of if I wanted to go train, mm. I had to get myself out of bed. They they were never going to get me out of bed. It had to be yeah. me that wanted to do it. They were never. They were never. I was quite lucky. They never pushed me to do anything that I didn't want to do. Yeah. So in a way, you mentioned that obviously it was down to you. It's your responsibility to get yourself out of bed. Obviously, motivate yourself. So that. That put you in good stead and assuming going forward for the latter stages of kind of career or as, as you're getting older, um, things that you may come across. Um, because not most kids at that age are putting themselves through kind of not that burden, but through that situation, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I think that's probably one of the reasons why I never really bonded that well with my friends at school. Like I was, fr I had friends, obviously I had friends at school and whatever, and we hung out while at school, but never outside of school like I my teammates on like my, the swimming team um they yeah. were they were my second family almost because right. you used to spend so much time with them and they they got what, what everything and, and that kind yeah. of thing so um that, that was probably why that kind of thing happened um but yeah I think I just in my head from a very very early age like, I think I I can't remember where it was but I just have this m memory of watching um like the, I think it was the Olympic trials or something like watching that on TV and being okay. like I want that like I yeah. want to go and then in the I think 2002 we had um, I'm from Manchester we had the Commonwealth Games here in Manchester yeah. and my mum got me tickets I went with my mum to go and watch wow. the swimming at the, at the Commonwealth Games pool and I was just like yes I want to and the thing the big thing for me was so um, I told you um, I mentioned a lady called Joyce Turner earlier my first coach well her yeah. son he he was he was he was swimming at the game so like I kind of oh, wow. knew someone who's there and he went on to swim at the um Athens Olympics as well so okay. it was kind of like knowing someone like I knew someone that had got there so you um, can relate to it 
yeah so I could I, I knew that it was possible and yeah. so that was always that dream and I knew that if I would had to get there then I had to do the training I had to put the work in and, yeah. and that kind of thing obviously that didn't work out but <laughs> nah but still I mean it's not always easy to obviously get to the top there's a lot of kind of pitfalls people that you come across massive part of it is luck as well um, as with anything in life um, at what point then was it for you where you thought okay well I can maybe make a career out of this um, I think it's hard when it comes to swimming there isn't because it's an um, up until like literally last year it yeah. was a very amateur sport like yeah. unless you are um, an Olympic like an Olympian a world champion or whatever then mm. you were never gonna you were never gonna make a you know like, unless you're like Michael Phelps <laughs> you're never gonna make a career out of swimming because okay. there isn't like a pro the, up until last year when they introduced yeah. the international swimming league there, there wasn't there wasn't a pro league or anything like that. Oh, right, so the okay. only way the only way that you could make money was from prize money and sponsorship. Um, okay. a, apart from that, it was it was um, you know, um, that was it. So if you were unless you were at the top top of the top of the the, the league, you were never really going to make money for it. Um, and right. for that reason, um, I kind of that's why I always had the the academic stuff. Mm. Um, along with it um, because I knew that even if I got to the top mm. like I might not stay there yeah. um, but you've got to have something one you've got to have something to fall back on mm. in, in case you don't make it and 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 two like as a summer it's it's not like football or like even like rugby or like NFL or whatever it's very yeah. or golf it's very hard to mm. make um a career out of it whereas with the, the international swimming league now it's a little bit easier but obviously you still have to be one of the top swimmers because yeah. at the minute there's only what like six eight teams who've all okay. you've got tw 12 male and 12 female on each team so there's still it's only a, a small selection of swimmers yeah jesus that sounds uh aside from being intense pretty tough as well uh, mentally i mean obviously so you mentioned about knowing that you may need something to fall back on uh was that always your train of thought so when you were kind of say um in the middle of your career um, or even at the start, were you kind of thinking about like things to fall back on, courses to take, or whatever else? Were you, was that kind of your train of thought at that point? Yeah, so I feel quite lucky in that not only was I decent, like athletically, I had those talents. I also have the academic talents. Right, so I right. like I came out of school like my lowest grade was a was a B, and that was in languages, and I'm not very good at languages. Everything yeah. else was an A or an A star. <laughs> um, and from an early age, like I've been bracketed in like the gifted and talented like groups of in in, right. in school and whatever. So I've been pushed in different directions, and yeah. I'd kind of been told from an early age that. Like basically, my next step after school was going to be university or college or whatever. Right, okay. Yeah. And um, so, and then I got pushed down the route of every, a throat, or kind of put down my neck was, oh, you're good enough to go to Oxford or Cambridge, which for anyone who doesn't know, they're like the two most prestigious universities yeah, in England. Yeah. Um, but I didn't want to go there because I think I'd had it shoved down my neck and I wanted to do something that I was interested in, that, yeah. that I, I loved. And that, that, that to me was, it was sport and it was science. But okay. by the time I got to the point that it was time to kind of choose my courses, I, I was starting to lose my love of sport, to be honest. So yeah. um, I, I kind of got, 
I think I was feeling a little bit burnt out and I had a little bit of a bad breakup with swimming. So to kind of go over it briefly, like when I was 15, I had pneumonia oh, um, twice. Twice. <laughs> um, wow. Yeah. And it kind of, it's, I got scarred, scarring on my lungs, which was probably one of the main reasons why I never got to reach my yeah. potential. And like after that, it took me three years to get back to like doing best times. Yeah. Um, I mean, that was hard enough watching all my friends, like just like, go forward and make all this progress and I was just like stunned yeah they're kicking on and you're kind of stuck in a rut yeah but I kind of always had that like it never my never my belief never wavered that I knew I was going to get back and 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 it was going to happen eventually and then it did right and then I had this really awesome season where like nothing could go wrong Mm. you just (laughs) everything was going right until like this final competition that I went to that was for the last chance I had to qualify for the national championships okay. um, and I went in and I swam and I knew it was going to be close just because as you got towards the end of that wall on that uh, last last length it was, it was just so hard work mm. and then when I looked up at the clock to see the time obviously at that point you always you you know the time that I have to get it's like memorize and mm. burn into your brain type thing yeah and I'd missed the time by six one hundredths of a second it's like less than a fingernail type and I was just devastated imagine yeah yeah but I didn't give myself the time to process that and that's one of the big mistakes that I made and it's like some of the stuff that happened in the following year um I've only just started in the last couple of years really figured out that that was the thing and and the process and and like properly processing it Mm. um so but at that point, I then had that following year, I had to decide where I was going to uni, what course I was doing. I had all these exams. Um, and then I spent the year training, just getting fit, getting ill, taking time out to get well again. And then just that, that kind of cycle. And it just got to the point where I was just like, nah, I'm done. Wow. Um, and at the end of the season, I, 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 ca- I, ca- I called time on it. I still kept in the sport, like I was teaching swimming and doing a little okay. bit of coaching, but like the actual competing and was I was just I was just done and I stepped to be honest I stepped away from like all forms of sport and exercise mm-hmm. for several years I was just like nah I've done enough I've done yeah. enough exercise <laughs> for life Time to chill out. yeah so yeah. just to go back slightly so you mentioned obviously when it came to that stage where you thought you've had enough did you consult with family friends coaches or was it just you solely on your own thinking this is what I'm going to do and no one's going to stop me um a little bit like I think um my friends and family and coaches are kind of they they saw that I was not fun anymore like yeah. in training I was just like what's the point this is rubbish I stopped going to morning that was the first thing that went morning trainings yeah. and like normally when you you miss a couple of trainings or people start like um or ask you what you're doing why are you missing training you know just like that little guilt you know like come on you, you've yeah. got this trying to like um and I was just, they just didn't do that. And then like I sat down, I did a chat, a chat with my coach and he just kind of, he knew that what um, this, we had, about, I think there was a few months left till the end of the season. And we just okay. was like, well, let's just see what we're doing. And basically we kind of made a transition. Like I, I missed more, a few more sessions, but I was teaching instead because it was kind of te- the teaching side of stuff happened at the okay. same time as the, the training. So I kind yeah. of shifted over to that and he was quite encouraging of that kind of process mm. um and as for like my, my, my parents they were just like they 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 probably knew before i did to be honest okay. <laughs> <laughs> and they they were like 
they 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 always said when you stop enjoying it, then then you can, then that's fine. They they've always been very supportive of, of awesome. as long as I'm doing what makes me happy, then awesome. then they're yeah. okay. Yeah, I mean that's pretty much the same as me to be honest. Um, I've always had a good kind of family uh, network behind me, and they generally support me in kind of anything that I choose to do. And when it came to my retirement, I mean, it was just a case of look, I, I got offered a job, my first interview that I went to. And on the day that I got offered that job, I also got offered to go and train just to get to prove my fitness and then be offered a contract in football. And I just thought, I can't turn down the opportunity of a job that I'm potentially going to have to do for the rest of my life uh, versus maybe going back into the football field again. Because I knew that within a year, two, three years after that, I still need to find a job anyway. And it's not easy to find a job, as you know, or as you probably heard, for sports people. Because we see V generally is just sports-based. So you have to sell yourself yeah. your personality and obviously transferable skills. Yeah, I, yeah, exactly. I was, I was actually, I, one of the guests I had on my, my show, he was um, a punter for the NFL. Um, okay. And he, he said like, only when he finished, um, when he retired from, from sport, he was like, yeah, all, all I can do is like kick a pig skin. That's it. <laughs> it was like. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. And that's the mindset that I'm trying to eradicate because people just think, okay, well, all I've known is kicking a ball or swimming or playing cricket or tennis. And it's like, but what have you come across um, that reflects your personality or enhances your personality during that period? Who have you met? Who have you conversed with? What pitfalls have you come across? How have you got overcome those? There's different things aside from what you're born with and what's naturally in your psyche. Sport always brings other elements to your personality anyway. And sometimes you're so immersed in it that you don't realise that you've got those attributes. Yeah, no, I, exactly. And I think that's something that I didn't play on as much. So mm. while I finished and I went on and I did like, ended up doing eight years at university, wow. um, honing all these, yeah. So I did like a four year undergraduate degree and then I mm. went on and did my PhD. Okay. Um, and I didn't really play on the fact um, that I that the, this sport was this 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 thing, and I didn't really understand those skills until like mm -hmm. later on, when I, I did start was at the point where I was looking like, what do I actually want to do now? I've got the, yeah. the, the all this education and these skills, mm -hmm. and um, I had someone who um, who was he was actually working with my mom, and he sat me down and we we looked at. Um, like all the different all the different parts of my life that mm. I had like I had my swimming background I had my science um, I was uh, for most of my life been part of the scout association mm. doing lots of things with those and um and we looked at all these, these these different parts and was like well you you learned this from here and this from that and that from that and it wasn't until somebody else sat me down and, and said look this is this is what you've got going for you that mm. I actually was actually okay yeah I'm not just a, um, a former swimmer I'm not just yeah. um, a someone with a PhD I, I, I can do this and I can do that and I can do all these different things of course yeah, sometimes it's good to get um, someone else's perspective on kind of what you can offer because sometimes you don't realise or you just don't want to talk about yourself in that way anyway. Um, so yeah. that must have been a massive help for you. In terms of, so when you retired, what age was that when you like kind of thought, well, that's it, um, I have fully retired now? What, what age so was it that? was 
just before my 19th but it was like the summer that i turned 19 in the okay. birthday september so like around there so it was, it was literally it was like i finished in the, the the beginning of the summer and then in the september i started university Jeez. okay so i mean you didn't have much time in between then to kind of uh, like rest on the laurels if that makes sense <laughs> no not at all um, yeah. but to be fair that i'd spent most of that last season thinking about the okay. the the whether or not that was the right decision for me so it wasn't yeah. it wasn't a decision i made rashly it was one yeah. that was made over time so slowly mentally you're making that transition then, uh, yeah that. i think yeah that put you in good stead then going forward um how did you find uni life obviously mixing with the other people the other students that were there um I think at first it was a little bit challenging, but I think for me, because obviously when I'm training, I was training with people from lots of different ages. So I'd seen like the age group above me, they'd gone off to uni. Um, a lot of them had stayed, a lot of them had stayed pretty local and, and, and as a swimmers, like um, the natural progression for your first job is to like lifeguard or swimming teach. So a lot of them were still knocking around the process and I, I'd 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 heard their their regrets and things that they they'd wish they had done mm. when they first went to uni. And one of the big things was a lot like well, one of the things was a lot of them didn't live out. Like I went to university, like my undergraduate degree was like ten minutes down the road. My parents were like, "Don't care where you're going to uni, you are living out." So I lived out in halls ten minutes down the road. Right. Um, it was the best. I I didn't want to do that. I didn't think I was ready, but it's probably one of the best things that my mum and dad did for me. That they made me do it. It made me grow up. It made me become more independent and get that confidence and all those kind of things. Yeah. Um, but I also made myself. I threw myself into Freshers Week. Okay. Um, I went and mixed with all the people that I was living with. I we went out on nights out. I mixed with all these other people on my course and and mm. and those kind of things and. Like I'm quite an introverted person by nature and it was really hard and difficult. Yeah. But it was the best thing that I did because I made friends and I, I very early on and it, it, it helped make shape the way that, that my kind of university career, at least itself, it went yeah. to a degree. Whereas like my um, older swimming people, they they didn't really do much on the freshers they might have gone out once or twice or whatever but they didn't have the same connections with people because they 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 weren't living in halls or they weren't um connecting with the course mates as well um so yeah that, that that's that's kind of the one of the big things that i did yeah i think that's massive um just touching on obviously you said how you integrate yourself within the different groups and different frameworks um, it's similar to like when a uh, sports person, I'll, I'll refer to football just because naturally that's what I used to do. So uh, I'll draw on that experience. And it's like when you join a new club, a new football team, and you try and you try and integrate yourself as seamless as possible. So if there's like a night out or a social event, or if there's something going on, you try and get involved just to obviously get people to understand yourself and what you're about. And obviously the same for you as well. So, and if you don't, or if, say if they're asking to do certain things and maybe the first couple of times you don't want to do it and then maybe the third time you do, but if you just kind of isolate yourself and can come across in a negative way and that can have an adverse effect on how your teammates are kind of receive you, if that makes sense. 
Yeah, no, I agree. I agree completely. And to be honest, that's something that I kind of did when I went and did my PhD. So I moved a little bit further away. So I studied it. I did my PhD yeah. in Nottingham. Um, and it, like it was the first time that I was properly away. Um, I was again. I lived in. I lived in, in these 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 student accommodation. But the people in my flat, I didn't see. So yeah. there was not that connection there. And then a PhD is more like a job than 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 a course, at least here yeah. in the UK. So mm. you spend a lot of time in the lab with your your postdoc people and the researchers, and you don't really get to mix with many other students unless you go out there. Mm. And I didn't feel like I had the opportunity to do that. I mean, if I could have made the opportunity, like if I'd have put myself out there a little bit, mm. um, but at that at that point in in like my like post um sporting journey i was well on the way down the 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 dark hole that was 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 my depression because of the things that i hadn't processed leaving sport Um, and so i kind of locked myself away because i didn't know anybody um it was easy to do it Um, it was just easier to like not go out um and eventually I got to the point where I just was like, I-, I can't do this anymore. And I walked out of the lab, like I looked around the lab and I was like, if I leave right now, nobody's going to know that I've left. Nobody's even going to care. Like this was my thought process. Yeah. It wasn't true. But um, mm. so I just, I grabbed my things and I walked out. I got on a train home. I didn't tell anyone I was doing this until mm. I was halfway home yeah. because I didn't want anyone to talk me out of, of the process. Like I'd phoned, home like a couple of months earlier like crying because I just like I can't do this anymore it's not all these the thing and I basically got talked out of 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 taking that time off and come you know for my mental health and coming home yeah um whereas this time I knew that if I did that I just needed to go home and I did and that was like the kickstart for me getting better and one of the things that did help um was that I find my way back into sport and into exercise. Okay. Um, like I was suggested to go and do counseling and whatever, but I didn't. Um, I, I find it difficult to talk about like my emotions and um, the way that I'm feeling and that kind of thing. And that's just mm. something that is a con- something that I'm constantly learning to do be better at. Okay. And at that time I felt like I couldn't do it. Like if I just like talk, started talking about it, then I'd break down and in tears and I just, just yeah. couldn't get the words out. Okay. Um, but I, but also because I, when I, it's the best way of putting this, I guess, um, when I stopped swimming, um, I kept eating like a swimmer. Okay. Um, but I wasn't doing any exercise. So I, I on the pa- yeah, so yeah. I put on the weight. And I didn't like the way that I looked and I was like, I suddenly like with, with everything that was happening and I was just like, I need to do something. And the only thing that I knew how to do was to do some kind of exercise. So I joined like a class and I started doing stuff and slowly like everything started to change. And it was Mm -hmm. just, I'd forgotten because I guess I'd always done some kind of sport and exercise. I didn't really, it hadn't really clicked how, how important and how, powerful like doing exercise or just doing something that you enjoy has mm-hmm. on your mood like even just like playing a song that you like has such a like a ridiculous impact on on like the, your mood and how positive you're feeling and just getting back and 
just attempting to run um, because mm. I hate running. Um, uh-huh. you know, trying to yeah, trying to do a press or sit or whatever in doing those those things um, in a group situation as well. So I was getting that social contact. Yeah. Um, and how how quickly I started to my mindset started to change my my mood started to change. Don't get me wrong; it took me a few years until I was like back to like my normal self, if yeah. if that's a thing. Um, <laughs> but um, that that going back to what I knew and and getting back in in in, in exercise and and now it's something that that I implement every day. Like even even though I can't get to the gym now because of the whole coronavirus situation, like yeah. I make sure like and. I don't really like working out at home. Um, I don't know what it is. It's I think it's, it's something in my head and it's something that I probably need to deal with. But at the minute, I mean, just enjoying going on a walk every day, whether it's like 20 yeah. minutes, whether it's an hour or whatever, but it's some, yeah. it's some kind of exercise. So mm. I think that helps massively. I mean, in terms of my retirement, I retired then. I mean, I used to go to the gym quite a lot just because I like to keep physically fit and stuff. And I did quite a lot of weights. It wasn't necessarily cardio work. Um, so I did most of that when we were actually training with the team. Oh yeah, um, no, I'm the same. I, I prefer lifting weights to doing cardio work. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 100%. So, but in terms of, I mean, when I retired when I was 31, I'm, I'm 39 now, I just turned 39, and I don't do anything. I don't do any weights uh, or anything like that. Um, and that's mainly just because my body type, my body type, I, I don't necessarily have to in a physical way. So I, if I eat junk food or whatever I don't necessarily put weight on um so I'm lucky like that and I know a lot of people aren't uh, that way inclined um and it's just one of those things and I suppose that's probably why I think well I don't really want to do it um but in terms of when you said about music and things and maybe putting a song on if I'm doing the washing up because generally that's what I do in the house I do washing up and whatever else so um if I'm doing the washing up I prefer to have music on in the background just because it allowed me to just get through it a lot easier uh, rather than just doing it in silence. So it's amazing how those little things can kind of trigger certain senses within the psyche to obviously push you forward. Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. And if you think about it, you see so many so many athletes, whether it's a team sport or an individual sport, before their, their game or their race or whatever it is, they're, they're listening to some kind of music to get them in the right mindset. Yeah, so yeah, it, makes sense, it makes sense that that would, would be a thing outside of sport as well whether it's to put you in a positive mood or to you know get you in the mood to go and do that run or or, you know work out or do you work or whatever it is yeah of course yeah in in terms of um obviously you've got a phd so you graduate through the university system when you graduated how did that feel for you was that kind of how did it compare to maybe winning a race and swimming or something that you may have achieved in swimming um i think it was probably on par to be honest because i've been so i've been through so much Mm. during that time and there were times where i didn't think i'd finish it there were times where i didn't want to finish it Mm. Um, and it was just it, it was such a it was just just so much hard work and so different to what I thought it was going to be at the, at the beginning that yeah. kind of when it, when I so the last thing that um I don't know what it, it it's different because PhDs are different from 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 institution to institution and whatever but yeah. in the, the UK like your final exam you have what's called a viva and it's basically an oral assessment where 
um, for me was I sat down with like my, I had two assessors, so I had an internal assessor, so they were from my university and an outside um, assessor who like n knew about the field that I was studying basically, but they okay. were, but they were from a different institution mm. and they come in and they've read, they've read your work and then they ask you questions and you have to defend what, defend what you're doing. Right. And I was in there for three hours. Really? <laughs> Oh. Yeah, I don't know where the time went, but apparently, yeah. like my my PhD supervisor was just like pacing up and down. He was like, "Why, why are they in there so long?" Blah blah blah. blah. Yeah. And then, like, I passed, and everything was great. Um, and just I didn't. It was. I guess I can only I can only imagine it to you when you like win. Um, whether it's like obviously I never won an Olympic gold medal so I can't assess but from what I've heard from people saying that kind of thing like it doesn't sink in straight away you kind of in that like disbelief yeah. and it took a little while for it to sink in yeah. and then just I had about so I had my Viva in like August time but then obviously graduation wasn't until December so I had that kind of time to kind of think about yeah. it and then I went to graduation and I got to get dressed up in this really colourful robe that made me look like I was part of Hogwarts um, <laughs> <laughs> no no killing it it's like it's like this red colour so I felt like I was in Gryffindor it was awesome um, oh, wow. and then you get to walk across the stage on your own which is like Whereas like, if just like your bachelors, you go up in groups because there's just so many of you. So that was yeah. quite nice. And it was just like, whereas I, I just celebrated the day and I made so much more of an effort and it just, it had more, so much more significance than my undergraduate. Yeah, um, of course. And I'm not, anyone that all knows me will tell you that like, I don't, show a lot of emotion like mm. you, you i either show i only show extreme so you know when i'm really happy or really sad or really angry like apart from that it's just like <laughs> yeah um and it was something that i i shared with people i talked about and it was something that was that, that achievement i i was proud of in the same way that i had made the the when i won the county championships and i made the county team to for the inter-county um um championships and then I won my regionals and I made nationals and those kind of things right. um so it, it was on a par with those I get I um in a way but there was a a different feeling because I guess I'd, I'd been through more hardship um and I think I was just more aware of everything that had happened whereas when when I'd done those things I was a lot younger and I was just doing something that I that I loved and yeah didn't really appreciate the significance of it. I just thought, oh yeah, this is just something I do and something that happens as opposed to I never really appreciated that not everybody well, gets to win a county championships. Not everybody gets to go to the national championships and those kind yeah. of things. Yeah. Wow, that's massive. So um, what uni were you at, by the way? So I did my undergraduate at uh, University of Salford okay. and then I did my PhD at University of Nottingham. Right, okay. Right. And then, so in terms of nowadays, bringing things to kind of, up to a point where we are now what what are you actually doing now um have you have you utilized your phd or have you moved on completely or are you doing that as well as something else um so i am not using my phd specifically i'm okay. not working in the labs and stuff i mean i could if i wanted to but i got yeah. to when i got to like halfway through my phd i was like i'm i just don't want to work in a lab anymore i mm. looked at jobs um that that used my skills that I that I'd learned, like the whole transferable skills situation. And I looked at going down the writing route because it was something writing is something that I've always enjoyed. Okay. Um, 
but I, I applied for jobs and whatever, but I didn't get any. <laughs> and at that point, I was like, I need. I decided to follow my gut instinct, and that's something that I've always done, like throughout okay. like my life. Is my guts never led me led me wrong yet? Um, and I decided I was going to go to traveling. All right. So I, for most of the last two years, I've spent traveling Australia. And it's been one of the best experiences that I've ever had. Yeah. Um, again, it put me in those uncomfortable situations and made me do things that I would never do. Like I went and worked in a bar. I find out that I actually enjoy working behind a bar. I never thought that was going to be a thing. <laughs> <laughs> Who knew? So I worked in country pubs in the back end of nowhere. Um, like literally this, this one place that I, that I worked in is a little town called Injun. It's There's 400 people that live in this town. Right. It's an hour away from the nearest town, which is, and it's an, about a seven hour drive from Brisbane. Okay. <laughs> inland. Yeah, it's like ridiculous. And I got to work, another job that I did, which I'd never ever in a million years have been able to do over here or back home, was I got to work on a dairy farm. I worked, I, I milked cows for three months. Wow. Like, that was. <laughs> <laughs> and talking about yeah talking about transferable skills like that getting up at 5 30 like to do training at five in the morning like three yeah. times a week well you have to get up like i was work in work at quarter to four every like because cows need milk in the morning yeah. so that that kind of that you know that whole like getting up early like came, came back into play which is something i never thought would be a thing but there you go <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah so while i was doing the traveling it got me thinking like when you, I don't know if you've ever done any traveling, staying in hostels and stuff, but you're meeting people from around the world yeah. all the time, new people all the time, and you're having the same conversations all the time. You know, what's your name? Where'd you come from? What yeah. are you doing? Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I ended up, I, along the line, I realized I was telling the same stories um, to people. And the stories are really always, always related to my time in swimming. They're always sports stories. Okay. And it suddenly realized that I, like, for the last however long it had been since I stopped, I just, like, totally ignored this huge part of me that, that there's a part of me that I loved. And I needed that to be a part of me going forward. Mm. Um, and I, it, it kind of triggered a period of reflection where um, I realized that a lot of the things that had happened to me in those years were because I hadn't processed the stuff that had gone on. And, okay. and like the whole, that is why one of the reasons why the whole depression thing happened. Mm. And I got me thinking that apart from the odd, like top elite athlete, or maybe the one, the odd one that, that, that ends up committing suicide because of the uh, mental health issues. Yeah. No one's not, not many people are talking about that side of sport and the, the challenges and the struggles and everything that goes on once you leave sport. Everyone just thinks, oh it's hunky dory, you find a job, you start a business, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's not the truth. Um, not and yeah, and I decided decided that I needed to uh, or not that well I needed to and I wanted to change that conversation, open it up, talk about that. And that's kind of where the idea of my podcast came along. Okay. But at the time, like I was also dabbling in all different types of like making money online. So I figured I, I'd come across the fact that you could do this. And I was like, well, this is cool. All I need is laptop and the internet and I can work from wherever and I can travel the world. So I was like, yeah. oh yeah, I'll do that. Um, so I tried like blogging and like a little bit of photography and yeah. um, a, a few other things and nothing really was, was working. Yeah. Um, so I, I decided to use the opportunity and I realized that actually a lot of athletes go and start their own businesses. 
Um, and as I looked more into it, I was like, well, a lot of the skills and the talents and attributes that make you an elite athlete, make you successful at being an athlete, actually really make you great at being um, a successful business owner. You know, whether it's from your resilience, your your time management, your focus, you're driven, you you have that passion, you know, all those different things and your mindset yeah. and all those things um, are needed by both. So there's that kind of marrying of the two and that's that's where the concept and the, the, the show came from and off kind of okay. off the back of that um I've started helping people like use this the the, the skills that I've picked up along my different <laughs> road and yeah. to help them start their businesses grow their businesses um whether that's through coaching or whether that's through helping them build out sales funnels or then the marketing side of the things because I think that's one one of the things that a lot of athletes or a lot of businesses in general struggle with is like yeah i've got this brilliant idea it's awesome i'm gonna build it and they will come and that's not how it works wow. <laughs> you have to like get it out there you have to market you have to tell your story um, and the, the the podcast allows me to let people do that and that, so it kind of all marries together so that's massive yeah. and um in terms of what you said about people having an idea and then it's always straight to how can i make money out of this and that's sometimes that's where the pitfalls start because for me I always think there needs to be a why so what's the reason for you doing it mm. and if you're providing a service then naturally it's, it's easier it's easier to, to monetize it doesn't say it doesn't mean it's going to happen um, there's no kind of time scales that you can put on it essentially but there's always got to be a why so for me like doing something like this is to meet obviously people like yourself to tell your story and as I mentioned, again, the main focus is to show people that sports people do have transferable skills. So that's that's my why. Anything else that comes off the back of it, that's a bonus. Good, bad, or indifferent. Um, but it's something that since probably retiring from uh, professional football, it's probably the, one of the most things that I've like felt most passionate about to the point where I was kind of thinking about it and I was thinking, well, is it going to work? And I was thinking, well, there was nothing that was telling me that it's not going to work. Like things I've come up with in the past, there's always one or two things I think, nah, if this happens, then it's not going to work. And then I think, oh, let me just try it anyway. And again, it's trial and error. But with this, it's like, I haven't got anything to lose because there's no boundaries. The ball's in your court or anyone that I speak to. And it's up to them to say, like, tell their story, to tell their story. But the backstory of it's going to be, this person has transferable skills. They used to be a sports person, and now they're doing this, and that's kind of it, really. Yeah, no, that makes that makes perfect sense, and it's again, it's the these kind of conversations, and I've been on a couple of similar kind of podcasts and whatever that that are doing very doing you know kind of the similar types of things, and it's this, mm. the the same process. I've I've always said like if these things were here you know 10 years ago back when I was kind of finishing up my, my sport then it would have been so helpful to to kind of have an idea what to expect and mm. for me it was always um it was always like oh because I never made it to the top I was never a part of the GB team or the England team or, or that yeah. kind of thing then, yeah. then maybe I didn't get the support because I wasn't at the top maybe the people at the top do get the support and maybe they do maybe they don't well naturally um, they would do yeah um, but and for me, it was for all those many, you know, millions of athletes out there that that don't make it to the top because only you know there's only a select few that do that, yeah. that you know probably need that help. Uh, and that was a, that was kind of a big thing for me. Yeah. Um, 
and then just to like literally like touch on some of my what I've figured my transferable skills have been is is a lot of it's been my mentality and like my drive and my resilience to not not give up like there's so many times during my PhD where I could have just like packed it in yeah. <laughs> um, and, and, I, and I didn't um there you know that that and that that goal drivenness like that's that's something that I think a lot of athletes are they they like the goals but I think the big thing with goals is you need to know the like you said the why behind the goals why is that goal um why do you want to lose a weight why do you want to do this job um you know just because you've got for example like I was always um told that I'd make a really good like doctor like not a PhD doctor like I'm a proper medical doctor mm. I am like I've got the, the the knowledge and the skills to go and do like to go and study for that mm. but I didn't have the why I didn't want to do it it wasn't like yeah. that that why whereas like the research side of things like I'm a voracious I love to learn like mm. ask me to like I'm always learning something yeah. <laughs> um, and that that's 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 a big why for me. Um, so I I definitely get for me. And then when it comes down to like the whole, for me whether it's business, whether you're finding a job or anything, there's there's, there's like the, there's two big W's. Is why do you want to do this? And and the, the other big thing is like, um, for me, everyone asks you the question, what do you want to do now that you've not done sport? And I think that's the wrong question to ask. Mm. For me, you should be asking, who do you want to serve? Yeah, um, and whether it's a job whether it's a business whatever you need to be at that, that for me that's that's a better question to, to be asking who do you want to serve do you want to serve you know people who are sick and ill and care for them and you know maybe you want to be a doctor or a nurse do you want to serve um younger athletes and bring those um bring your knowledge from the game and help them improve and get the skills that that, that you have and then maybe you want to be a coach Mm. Um, and all those kind of things or maybe you want to help people fix their IT problems and you want to you know work in IT so yeah. you know that that for me is a better question and and um just just it's just a, a little pet peeve of mine I guess yeah it's true I mean you make a good point because uh I always say sometimes retirement in sport can always but well, it can be seen as a negative and sometimes I think the reasons for that is how it's portrayed or how someone approaches it so it may not be the sports person or the athlete that uh, has the, the wrong approach it could be someone external and they say oh like like you said what are you going to do now and it's like well and then where do you go from there because straight away it sounds like a negative question whereas if you say well who do you want to serve now or how do you want to help people now it, it straight away there's a different take on that question yeah so the answer is going to be more positive rather than, oh, well, you did this, so what are you going to do now? As if to say, well, you haven't got the skills to do anything else. Um, so some, sometimes I think the approach from an external source can kind of hinder or um, kind of uh, better your outlook on what to do afterwards. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's all about, it's all about that perception. Um, and I think a lot of the times as an athlete, you kind of do have the ability to change that perception. For example, like if you play like football or whatever, you're looking for the spaces rather than the players to, to send that ball yeah. to. And it's, whereas like yeah. most people would look for the, say, oh, they'd see the players there rather than the space. So it's, That's it, yeah. So in terms of your um, podcast, what's the name of it? Yeah, so the show's called Beyond the Finish Line, um, and it, you can find it pretty much wherever you've listened to the podcast. I think it's pretty much wherever it's on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, like all those places. Okay, brilliant. Well, I mean, 
last but not least, just like thanks for your time. Um, obviously, appreciate uh, listening to your story. I hope it resonates with some of my listeners going forward. Uh, as you know, I've just started this, so I, I'm new to all of this. Uh, I'm new to Instagram, new to Zoom, new to obviously interviewing people. Uh, but for me, the main thing is obviously just adapting to the situation that we're in and making the most of it. Uh, but yeah, I mean, hopefully we'll keep in touch going forward. And uh, like I said, good luck with everything that you choose to do going forward in, in your life. Yeah, well, thanks for having me on. I'm always, uh, I always love sharing my story. It's nice to be on the other side of the mic sometimes, <laughs> <laughs> for sure. Yeah, no problem. Well, um, stay safe and like I said, thank you for your time. Thank yeah, you. No worries, I'll see you no soon. Problem. Thank you, thanks, bye. <laughs>